Well, let's dive into the word this morning. Last Sunday was absolutely amazing. I'm telling you, as a pastor, to uh, you love to preach, you love to speak God's word, but um, God was already speaking through the voice of a child, and uh, it was so powerful. It was really, really good. Uh, but God has a word today uh, for us. I'm super excited about this message. So let's pray, and I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. The Gospels give us the account of Jesus, all that he taught and all that he did, including the book of Acts, the historical book of the Bible of the first church. And it dealt a lot with Jesus changing the belief of a people, first the nation of Israel and then the Gentile nations at large. The epistles, though, which is what we're going to read from, the epistles exist to tell us how to take that gospel of belief and actually apply it to your behavior. Okay, everybody got that? It's to take the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, which is is the gospel of belief, Jesus teaching the kingdom, and the epistles are the apostle Paul and the writers of the various books is sharing with us how to flesh that out or how to walk that out or how to live that out. And so it's important that we realize this because, as I give you time to get to Ephesians chapter 2, because what we're seeing is that there was no New Testament when they were writing this. So a lot of it was the Old Testament that they were getting inspiration from the Holy Spirit and they were writing this stuff. Okay, so that's very important for your walk with the Lord and for your salvation to understand that. So when Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman who right devised the word of God, he's actually saying it's the Old Testament uh, uh, scriptures that Timothy would have been familiar with. And so Paul is writing that. Why do I begin with that? It's because we are going to journey back into the Old Testament into the favorite book that I believe everyone needs to read is Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. So Ephesians chapter 2, let's begin at verse 8, and we're going to be looking uh, a lot of in this chapter, but let's begin with verse 8 to verse 10. Paul is writing to this church, and he tells them the foundational text that changes everything. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and verse 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And this is not your own doing. So you can relax. But don't get lazy. You can get reassurance, but you need to take responsibility. Write that down. So you can have reassurance, for by grace are you saved through faith. This is not your own doing. So you can have reassurance. You can relax, but don't be lazy, and also make sure you take responsibility. It is the gift of God. Then it goes on, not a result of works. Why? So that no one may boast. Doesn't that even the playing field? I think that's so great. That the biggest rascal and the most religious person, neither one of those have anything to do. It's God's grace. Oh, that's so awesome, man. That just removes every division. So if there's division in the church, it's because of your flesh. Right? And someone's out of faith. Somebody's out of faith. So not a result of works. I was the most biggest rascal, and that's why God saved me. And, man, I was the most kind. I was the most religious. I was the most nice person. That's why God saved me. He says, none of those. No one can boast about that. He goes on and says, for we are his workmanship. We are his what? His workmanship, his masterpiece, his creative work, his handiwork. Different translation says. Created who? In Christ Jesus. For what? For good works. There you go with the responsibility that I told you why you can't be lazy. Which, and I want to focus on this, God prepared when? Beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I had the privilege of roughing it for the kingdom 
at Myrtle Beach. Amen. It was a, uh, I took one for the team by the beautiful ocean. And when we got there, they said, it's it normally not this warm in South Carolina. I said, well, I showed up. This Jamaican, Canadian, American showed up and just changed the weather forecast. It was gorgeous. It was absolutely beautiful. And I was roughing it for Jesus. I, I promise you I was. But it was, just, it was just enjoying his creation, enjoying his work. And just, it's amazing that you build this monstrosity of, a, of complex of places for people to live and, and inhabit. And, and, and the, the water only goes so far and it has to, it has to keep its boundaries. Isn't that amazing? And the only reason it becomes dangerous is because of the fall of man, that, that creation now um, gets chaotic. And so we have thunderstorms and hurricanes that, that tries to go past the boundaries. But you know it always has to come back in. It has to come back in. And so the damage it leaves reminds us of a need for God and his creation. And so I'm sitting by the beach and, and well, I didn't have the right shoes. So I didn't choose so I didn't go on the beach. I can't get sand in my nice shoes. Um, I operate like that, right? And I wasn't going to go barefoot. No way. I'm not doing that. So I stay from the distance as a city person would. And I just watched it from the window. And it was, it was beautiful. It was absolutely amazing. I, I say that um, um, not, yeah, not, 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 not to brag if, if you were in the cold weather. But, 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 but I, I, I said that because um, I was also one of the speakers at the men's retreat that we, we went to. And... and um, and Greg and I, and so um, I preached a message that I'm going to share with you uh, today, and I'm going to tell you what, why I'm doing that is, is because um, when I looked at this message, which is called uh, Reconnect, God's Amazing Grace, right? It's, it's Reconnect, um, God's Amazing Grace. And so the word, the word Reconnect means to come back together. Right? It, means, it means to come back together, to, to reconnect. It means to reestablish a bond of communication, or here it is, or emotion. So, so to reconnect simply means that. It's a verb. It's an action. But it's, it's, it's responding to what God is doing. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's, it's a response to what God is doing. It's you coming back to what God is doing to draw you back. Oh. Man, I, I'm, already, I'm, already, I'm already so excited. I can do cartwheels like I did the first time I came here to preach. Remember that PT when I did a cartwheel? Like, ah. Seven years old now, so I'm not even going to attempt that. But, man. And so this God's amazing grace, and so I shared this message. And, and, so, and so as we, as we were traveling back, from, from Myrtle Beach, and after I share this message, and, and we stopped to get something to eat, I'm sitting there, and I'm going over my notes for Sunday's message, and, and I'm like, God, we are in this particular series on prayer, and, and, and I, do I do that? And as I looked at the notes, and I was putting stuff together, um, um, you all deserve that, that I actually spend time with God and hear from God first. That, that he can interrupt anything he wants to do. And so we're sitting there, and I'm eating my, my, my delicious chicken, and I'm eating it, and I look... And the Lord said, I want you to share what you shared at the men's retreat. And I said, okay. And I said to Greg, I, I think that's what God wants me, to, wants me to share. And so some of the reasons why I was hesitant was because I don't want the ladies to feel like, well, why did I show up for if he's just going to preach to the men? But I think all the ladies would be, yes, preach, bro. Preach, 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 bro. Preach to the men. That was your place, ladies. Preach, preach, <laughs> preach, preach, bro, to the men, right? And I promise you, men, I'm one of you. This is not to beat you down. This is literally to build you up. I believe God says preach to the men to build them up. And that's what this message is really about. It's about reconnecting. And it's telling men that God wants you to understand his amazing grace in your life. It's really that sort of message. And so, so what's important about this is to understand some, some background things that I have to do. And so, ladies, this message today is for the men, but, but I will involve you first, and then we will veer off, and you can just sit there and, and be cute as we speak to the men on some men stuff. Okay, right? Don't, don't do your nails or anything like that. Just sit there, and you know what I mean? I'm going to tell you what I'm encouraging you to do uh, in that. 
And so in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10, we, we look at this. And the first thing we have to understand is, is this, that when we talk about to reconnect God's amazing grace, the first thing I want you to write down is this. We were disconnected from the power source. That's what Genesis chapter 3 tells us. That the creator in Genesis chapter 1 and 2 did an amazing job. Can someone say amen to that? If you read the book of Genesis, you see what God did in his creation. And God said to everything, it is good. That's a word from the creator that's saying it is good. And so as we look now, we can understand that we get to Genesis chapter 3, and we see now the disconnect from the power source. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says this, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. You see the progression. You see the progression that's taking place here, right? So the enemy is strategic in what he does. He's not an idiot, <laughs> The enemy is, I don't want to give him any credit. I don't want to glorify him, but I don't want you to be ignorant of him as well. He's not an idiot. He knows exactly what will get you all wired up. He knows exactly what he can do to manipulate you. And it normally starts from a communication you have with him because he cannot read your mind, but he can put thoughts in your mind. And so he's so slick that he puts a thought in your mind that you now own as your own and you now live it. Because your what? Belief leads to what? Your behavior. So the first thing is this that we have to understand that when we take a look at this, that when they saw that the tree was good for food, see, it was good for food. It wasn't something bad. So normally sometimes the good can benefit you from God. That's a great place to say amen, yeah. Because it looks good, and it was a delight to the eyes, and it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. So she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and they both ate of this fruit. And instantly, they were disconnected from the power source. Because the next verse says, the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. Write this down again. Today, you're going to take a lot of notes. We must understand, write this down, we must understand our position and our condition. We must understand our position and our condition. And so they were created by God for his glory and so because of their position in Christ, they were naked and not ashamed. So the elements, the conditions around them didn't affect them that they could be naked. Oh, that's so good. And so the reason why we're wearing clothing now, number one, is because of the shame of sin. But also because it affected creation now that the weather system got all messed up. And so we have to be clothed now. But you go to some nations, some tribes... And the way their dress is, is different from how Americans dress. Some nations dress is a means of success. It's a means of a cultural thing, right? And so when we understand this dress, we can see why Christ is so vital for us to dress in his righteousness. Or he talks about the robe of righteousness. He talks about clothing. Why? Because he wants us to understand that your position affects your condition. And so now that because they were disconnected from the power source... As I read in Ephesians, we're understanding this, that how can I be positioned in Christ and still struggle with sin? And so the enemy comes now because we're disconnected from the power source. Hear me now. Because we're disconnected from the power source, he focuses on our condition so we will take away and remove from our position. And so here it is. Then how can I avoid that? You need to, to, to listen to this. And so they were disconnected from the power source from God, and now they're disconnected from each other. And the eyes of both were open, verse 7, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves lion claws. So the first thing is disconnect from the power source. The second thing is there's a weak connection in your relationship with God. There's a weak connection. And this weak connection comes because in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12, the Bible says that God now comes and God asks the man, okay, who told you that you were naked? And so the man responded, the woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. That's what Adam said. That's what the man said. 
That God, it's your fault that I'm in this condition. It's your fault that I've lost my position. So God now goes to the woman. And he says to the woman, um, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Here is the relationship foundational principle If you don't understand this law of life, you will always live, men and women, at odds with each other, friction with each other. Because you're seeing what happened here is this, is that man is in disobedience and woman, you're in deception. And when you try to connect disobedience with deception, you get dysfunction. And so you have a man who is disobedient. And a woman who is deceived, and they try to come together, and so they can't have intimacy. So they move to something else that's physical. Because there's a barrier to that. Why? Because we're seeing right here that this is what it is. And so there's a weak connection that's taking place. But here's the good news. God's original design was for them to be naked and not ashamed. God's original diet, because listen, every single one of us is a product of a man and a woman. I don't care what society is trying to tell us. That's just Bible. That every single one of you. Now, you may not know who your dad is. You may not have a relationship with your mom. You may not know who your mom is. But you, as a human being on this earth, who is a spirit, who has a body, you came through a womb. If not, we rebuke you. (laughs) Get out, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's Nick again for everybody watching online. I'm going to call him out all day. And so there's a weak connection. And so what God is saying to us now, watch this now. Here's where I'm going with this. Here's where I'm going with God now gives us grace to strengthen that connection. He says what you need is you need grace that strengthens that connection. So that the foundation of all relationships, look what they were called. The names weren't given yet. They were called the man, the woman. And it was after, he says now, and Adam and Eve, mother of all living, and Adam from the dirt, from the the dirt, the, the original. We're going back to the original, folks, of what God designed. And you can hate what this word says. You can take the Bible and throw it, but you're not going to change what God's word says. You're not going to change it. It's going to stay the way it is because God spoke it. Can someone say reconnect? So we have to understand this amazing grace that God gives to us, that that saves us. And so what happens is this, that we've lost connection. And so in verse 9 of Genesis 3, it says, But the Lord called to the man. This is why we're going to separate now. And God called to the man. God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? It's interesting. This morning, I got confirmation on this message that, that this is how God works, that there was a man who was crying out, I'm telling you, there was a man who was crying out. Um, I don't know what time, but, but I wasn't here in this state when this was being c- c- cried out. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm eating my chicken, and the Lord says, I need for you to preach this message to preach to the men. Why? Because what you don't know, Ro, is that somebody is crying out. There's a man who's crying out because God is saying, where are you? So if it's only for, look at God's grace. If it's only one person this message is for, give them grace and let the message be spoken to them. Don't time out or tune out because it's not about you. If there's one person that God wants to speak this message, oh, my God. If we understand the grace of God, we're like, oh, man, I give you grace. God, speak. God, speak. Do the work. Do the work. Because there will come a time where I need that grace in my life. And so that's where we're going with this. And so we want to now take a look at this thing um, is that we've lost connection, men. Men, we have lost connection. We don't know purpose. Our passion's all over the place. We throw our passion into our work. We throw our passion into uh, addiction. We throw our passion to all these type of things. We've lost connection. We're trying to connect with our kids. We're trying to connect with our spouses. We're trying to connect with the person. But we've lost connection. And no matter what you try to do, no matter what you try to do, You will never be fulfilled until you get to this place where you understand that God is calling to the man. And he's saying to him, where are you? 
It means you're unable to be found or recover. It also means this, that you're unable to find one's way or figure out where you are. You're confused. You're bewildered. You ready? You're helpless. You're hopeless. You've lost connection. And what God wants you to know is this, is that whenever a man gets in a posture and a position to cry out to him, God will start beginning by saying, where are you? Where are you? And what he wants you to understand is this. You may have lost connection with God, but God wants you to know you are not a lost cause. You may feel hopeless, but you're not hopeless. You may feel helpless, but you're not helpless. But what you are is you are powerless. You are powerless to change on your own. You cannot lead your family without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You cannot be the man you're called to be. You cannot be that CEO. You can't be that boss without the power of God in your life. And the best best place to hear about the power of God is in God's word. And so this is something that's really amazing to build you up because now you can realize I'm not a lost cause and now you can realize I'm not a hopeless because can you imagine secretly, men and ladies, you may not know this, but men have emotions. That there are times we feel like we don't measure up. There are times we feel like, I don't know if I can do this. There are times we feel weak. There are times when we come in and we don't know what we're supposed to do next. And the pressure that we're facing, and God wants you to recognize that, listen, there might be moments and seasons and, and times where you feel hopeless or helpless. But the issue is you need to recognize you're powerless unless you reconnect back to God's amazing grace. So what is so important is this. You want men to be able to say, I've got the power. i got the power to do things I'm supposed to be doing. So here's the deal. God's amazing grace, if you're taking notes, God's amazing grace tells us that we must reconnect back to God. That's the whole purpose of it, to reconnect back to God. Are you with me? Are you with me? So let's define this amazing grace that I've talked about. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to verse 7. We're going to go backwards here, right? And so if we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 7, listen to what it says. So we're going to define amazing grace. Listen to me. Great theologians, yes, amazing, and you want to understand the Greek and the Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. You want to go there. But let the Bible define its own self. Right? Let the Bible define what it's talking about. And so Paul is here, and he's defining. He says, this is the amazing grace. But God, being what? Rich in mercy. What? Because of the great love for which he loved us. Men, you are loved by a God who richly loves you. I'm talking about this love that supersedes the love you have for your mom, the love you have for your wife, the love you even have for your children. This love that God has for you, man, this amazing grace, it's rich in mercy. In other words, God is saying that you deserve to die, but guess what? No, I'm going to actually, I'm going to have mercy on you that I'm not going to allow you to eat from the tree of life that you live forever in your condition so your position can't change. He puts a sword in front of the tree. He puts a sword like this. He puts a sword in front of the tree of life. And he says, you cannot come any closer of it. And God is saying, what you think is a denial is the protection for you. Because if you would have eaten from that fruit, from that tree of life, you would have lived in your position, disconnected, and your condition forever. Can I get a man to say amen? Thank God for the sword. You have to know how to use your weapon. Come on, because God knows how to use the weapons, right? And so you have to understand that David, when he was fighting and looking for Goliath, recognized now that God equipped me with a stone and a sling, but I killed this giant who was affecting a nation. See, one man who understands the weapons of God can free a nation. Can I get someone to say, yes, Lord? God, rich in mercy. David says, I need a sword. Takes Goliath's sword and cuts off his head. What a great action movie. Grabs it like this. Why the head? Because Christ is the head of the church. Come on. It's not about David. It's about what Christ did to set you free. 
It's about the power that's available to someone who puts their life in Christ. Are you with me? That's amazing grace. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And not only that, this amazing grace raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places where? In Christ Jesus. Someone say position. Oh, my goodness. You've got to share this message. Not because I'm preaching, but because God is speaking. And there are men out there who have been beaten down by society, confused by society's definition. And here we are, people of power. We need to let people know you are not without hope. You are not helpless. What you need is the power of God in your life. Let me throw this in. It's a marriage 101 conference because I want to. Right? I want to. You have to understand, and we're going to get to this part about, ladies, what's your role in this whole thing? If you read the Bible, the Bible says in Ephesians, the same book, we're supposed to love one another. Before he even gets to the role of the husband and the wife, he says, love everybody. Submit to Christ. Everybody, every, love everybody. So he gets to, the, to how we function. He says, love. And, and it's amazing because if you read anything about the revival that Blaine a reference, Mr. Blaine reference, right, the message was a simple message about the love of God. That's what it was. It wasn't some, wasn't some T.D. Jakes message. It was just love of God, just a Methodist chap, uh, just love of God. Message was so simple, you can miss it. But the message has such power that they're like, oh my God, start confessing everything like that, right? And so we're supposed to love everyone. As you read further into Ephesians, now, now he gives us, right? And he says, because we all have this love, he now goes and says, here's how it functions, right? Because of God's amazing grace in chapter 2, he moves down to chapter 4, and what he's saying is this. He says, husbands, love your wives. But he says, wives, love your husbands. No, he doesn't say that. He says, wives, respect your husbands. He doesn't say love them. He says, respect them. And he says, husband, love your wives. So he's going back to the power source again. He's going back to the definitive thing that was taking place. Because the reason why the enemy was able to get man and woman to disconnect, he switched the roles. He made Eve become the what? Giver. As opposed to the receiver. And he made Adam was supposed to be the giver, the receiver. Because when Eve touched it, she didn't die. When she ate it, she didn't die. It wasn't until she became the giver. And he took it and ate of it. Amy goes, I now got him. And so what the enemy is doing, he's simply saying this. Constantly, you're trying to love when God's like, that's not what I said. I said, you need to respect your husband. Because that's, ready for this? An empowering, encouraging word. Oh, God. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. Because, ladies, here's what's happening, right? Here is the thing, right, as we take a look at this, because we have to see that, that and I'll jump to this, um, the grace of God in a man's life doesn't excuse his bad behavior. The grace of God in a man's life doesn't excuse his nasty attitude. Oh, I'm just, I'm like that. I was like, oh, that's not what the word says. Right? It doesn't excuse for bad behavior. Grace empowers you to good behavior. So there's a grace that saves. Oh, man, that's awesome. But there's a grace that strengthens. And that's what we need in our lives. And the reason is this, because you can have a man who's saved but not strong. Right? And the most dangerous person on the planet is an insecure, unconnected, emotionally unhealthy man. It'll ruin everything. And so the enemy knows that. So the enemy is fighting with everything through media, through everything. Because if the man stays in his condition, the family can't get back to its position. And so the Bible says, no, wives... Respect your husband. And husbands, love your wives. Here's why. Because ladies, and I wrote this down, I was driving, so, so Greg's a witness to this, and if you don't like it, it's his idea, right? If you don't, you don't like what I'm saying, it's his, it was his idea. He said, well, I was a good pastor. You should preach that. I'm like, okay, I will. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> ladies, I know you love to help. 
But you're hurting his reconnection because you're in God's way of his amazing grace. Because you love to love. And that might just be part of the curse. Oh, come on. That your desire is for him and he will rule over you. Just perhaps the enemy has got somehow into that area. And your love to love is not encouraging. It's enabling bad behavior. I said something to Megan that I'll keep private that I can't say in public. Because I don't know if Greg would agree with it. But, you know, I mean, I'll just leave it at that. It's raw talk from men in the locker room, if that makes sense. It's really getting to this place of where we understand men, if we really can be open and honest, what will we say about this amazing grace? And I believe there are times when, ladies, you love to help. For he said, this is now my helpmate. But that was in the context of marriage. He says, you might be hurt in his reconnection because you're in God's way of his amazing grace. So, man, we must do this alone, but not by yourself. This work of grace must be done alone. You've got to get to a place where it's you and God. You've got to get a place where you are alone. It wasn't until Jacob says, keep the kids. And woman, you stay over there. He probably said it better than that. You know what I mean? You, you stay over there. i got to meet with God face to face. And Jacob got alone with God. And he wrestled with God and says, God, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. My wife can't help me. My kids can't help me. I need to encounter God by myself. And men, if you're not wrestling with God, then I don't think you're touching him. Because a man needs to wrestle with God and says, God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Because I was blessed in family, my family's increasing, my cattle's increasing. And Jacob had all these wealth and he realized, stay away. Because success may hinder the struggle. I got to wrestle with God. Am I helping anybody here? And it was God's amazing grace. So what do I do then is this. Ladies, ask God to help you be an encourager of his grace and the work he's doing in your life. Ask God to be an encourager to your spouse if you're married. That God let your grace do its perfect work in this man's life. And while my heart is for him, my hands are off him. Come on. Because what you're doing is you're creating a man after your own heart. That's what you're doing. And so how do we do that? After all that, how do we actually get to do that? Here's some practical steps that you can do that God has shared in his words. Here are the practical things as we turn the corner and we look and realize this. Number one, number one, man. Number one. And for those who love, here it is. The first reconnect that you have to do is this. God will meet you where you are. Just stay where you are. God's coming to you. Just to stay where you are, man. He's coming to you. God will meet you where you are. Just stay where you are, man. Don't move around. Just stay right where you are. Don't pick up another hobby. Don't pick up another sport. Don't go kick it with the boys. Stay right where you are. God will meet you right where you are. In your doubt, he'll meet you right there. In your inabilities, you think to lead, he will meet you right there. Stay right where you are. God will meet you where you are. Are you hearing me, man? Don't move. Stay exactly where you are. Because you're lost. If you move, you will get even more confused. And there comes a time when men, we have to realize, I am not going to move from this spot. I'm going to stay right here. Right here. In Genesis 3 verse 8, the Bible says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man hid himself from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see, if Adam, the man, kept moving, kept moving, 
moving. He was hiding. And God says, I know exactly where you are. Do not move from where you are. Don't move. Can you imagine how much power it takes for you right now, men, not to move, not to get fidgety, and not to go to the bathroom? You know how much power it takes right now not to move, to just sit there and let God do his work where people who are impatient and where people that are easily distracted. But God is saying the best work that I do is in the stillness. Just be still. And allow my grace to do the work that it needs to do in your life. Because, men, you are vital to the foundation of society. And without you, we have nothing. God is saying, I will come right where you are. That's a promise from God. Nobody else can say that. Nobody else has the power to do that. Nobody else can do that but God. And so he initiates the connection, men. He went after them. Adam was hiding, but God went after him, and God will meet you right where you are. And why is that? Thank you for asking. That's because God wants you to know his nature, his character. And so in Psalms 139, verse 7, Psalms 139, verse 7, he says these words. The psalmist says, where shall I go from your what? Spirit. Listen to to what the psalmist is saying. Where can I go from your capital S? Spirit. For God is a what? Spirit. And so he's not talking to your flesh. He's not saying, because you can physically be right here, but somewhere else. Tuning me out, man. He says, right where you are, right where your spirit is, right there when it comes. So he's saying, man, you have to live by your spirit and not by your flesh. You've got to learn to be disciplined in areas of your life. And I'll meet you there and help you accomplish that. Not to, not to, to, to beat upon you, but to build you up. Why? Because the foundation of society rests upon your shoulders. Can I teach you thing like I'm feeling it? That when David was trying to bring the presence of God into Jerusalem, the city of peace. David trying to bring it in. That the first time he brought it in, he's like, let's just take it and put it on a new cart. The pagan way of doing things. And uh, they were moving. And this is interesting. I mean, this is the presence of God, right? They're, they're, you know, they're doing their thing, whatever the animals do, and they're doing that. And then it shakes. And then someone says, let me help God out. And stretches out his hands. And the man dies. Like, like he's dead. And David stopped. I can't go any further. I need God to meet me right where I'm at. David stops. He stops the parade. He stops the celebration. He says, something is wrong here. David stops it. And he goes and he gets back into the book and he realizes now you did it wrong. That the presence of God should not be put on a new cart. It should be put on the shoulders of men. If you want the city to prosper, find men with strong shoulders. Mm. My God, who will put it on their shoulders and carry it. And each step they were taking, David was given the blood sacrifice. Because realized if it wasn't for the blood. Ooh, gosh, Leading his family where they're saying, why is the economy the way it is? We need strong men to change the economy. Why is crime the way? We need strong men to change the violence. Why is this? We need strong men who are saying, put it on my shoulders, God. Hmm. Because I'm a spirit. Serving the spirit. So, God wants you to know, man, he's omnipresent. The reason why we sin is simply this. We think God doesn't see it. I mean, that's why we do it. Yeah, it feels good. But it's literally, we don't think God is there. You can't see me. God's like, I'm on my present. Like, I'm right here. I was there before you got there. God's like, hey, what's up? I was already here. I mean, think about it, right? He's like, why are you trying to hide? I was already there. I, I know everything. And so he says, where can you go from my presence? 
You know how much I love you? I'm everywhere. There are people who are saved in the pit of destruction that God got a hold of and says, how did God save you in that mess? Because God met me where I was at. And so there are men right now who are not here, supposed to be here. And they don't think God can meet them where they are. I'm telling you, yeah, God can meet you right in that bed. He can meet you on that bar. He can meet you wherever you are. God is no respecter of a person. He'll come and get you. And when we tell men, you can run, but you can't hide. Because God will meet you where you're at. Seriously, he'll meet you right where you're at. I had a bad church experience. God will meet you right where you're at. I had trauma. God will meet you right where you're at. You don't know. God will meet you. I know I don't walk in your shoes, but I know the one whose shoes you should walk in. And he'll meet you where you're at. My God Almighty. In my own life, in my own marriage. You can't do 29 going on 30 years without the help of God. There's no way. You can't do that. It's me going into my room and says, God, you got to help me. It's not Magon's fault. It's me, Lord. It's me. So meet me right where you're at. Hope you didn't get an amen from that. But, but it's me, Lord. And you're going to meet me right where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go, but I, I can't. Press. And so, man, don't be afraid of his presence. And so we, we don't want to be emotional because, man, no, when his presence comes on you, you look at his grace and say, God, thank you. Thank you. I, I didn't think I can do this, but thank you, Lord God. It, it's, it's amazing that, that, that God's presence is, is there. And so, and so Moses says, God, if your presence doesn't lead us, don't take us there. Men, the first thing you need is to stay right where you're at. Why? Because you need to know God's presence is for you, not against you. Like, I want to see you walk in your purpose and your destiny. Yes, that woman loves you, but God is the one who ordains you. It's God that's after you. And so here he goes in Psalms 46, verse 1. He says, God is our refuge and strength. Psalms 46, 1. Man, God is your refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Very present help in trouble. When you're in trouble, man, run to God. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. Psalms 34, verse 17, verse 18. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their what? Troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushing spirit. What a definition for men. A brokenhearted man whose spirit is crushed needs the presence of God. It's amazing. You ladies, and I've said this over and over again. You ladies can just get together like it's so, it's so easy. Um, hey, let's go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? If a man ever tells me, let's go to the bathroom, I'm like, buddy. Um, like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, like, I mean. Remember one time we went to the school. This is old school, like an old YMCA. And the bathrooms didn't have that divider in between it. And I'm already in the bathroom using it, and some other guy went in, and he didn't realize. He goes, oh, and we're just in, like, this straight ahead. Yeah, man, I always thought it was like this, you know what I mean? Like, not a word. We got out, then we start to talk, right? You ladies are like, eh, hey, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And he goes, yeah. Von Moore, their bathroom has, like, a whole lounge just for you ladies to talk. I mean, a whole lounge. That's not even the place where you use the bathroom. Just a lounge. Just sit there and just talk. Man, you just walk in, like, right there. You use the bathroom, you get back out again, right? So we're not designed... For that kind of stuff. But it doesn't mean we're not designed for relationship. Of course we are. Of course we are. And so one of the things we have to understand is this, is that a brokenhearted man who's crushed in spirit needs the grace of God on his life. Can you imagine being married to a brokenhearted man who's crushed in spirit? Picture that for a second. What do you do with that? Um. What you do is you tell him, the Lord is near. And I have no idea what it's like to be a man with a broken heart or a crushed spirit. But what I do know is this, the Lord is near. And don't fight his presence because he's for you, not against you. If you guys see a therapist, great, I'll take you there. But, but I'm, what I'm saying is this, is that you need to address the broken heart. You can't love when your heart's broken like that. 
You can make attempts to, but you can't do it. I'm telling you, man. And so we try to fill that void. I got to hurry. We try to fill that void with all sorts of things, right? With all sorts of things, but understanding this, that my broken heart can only be fixed by God himself. So love me as much as you want to, but it's not going to give me the power I need. It actually caused me to think I'm okay. It actually backfires. It reinforces that I must be okay. Can you imagine as a daughter, as a son being led by a brokenhearted man? Crushed in spirit. It's dangerous. And God knows that. And God says, that's not how I designed you. Because the enemy will have field day in your life. So they come and they get the lazy boy. Bam. And they fill with all sorts of things. Are you following me so far? So let's turn the corner now as I bring this home. Just this first part. So that's the first one. God will meet you where you are. Stay put. Don't you move from that place. You hear me? Stay still. Amen. Don't get moved. The second thing is this. Here's the reason why. You need to reconnect. 1 Samuel chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10 says this. You were chosen to lead. Man, you were chosen to lead. God, when it says Adam, it didn't say Eve, it said, Adam, where are you? You were chosen to lead. Come on, church. I know, I know this day there's the debate about, is everybody a leader, everybody a follower? Listen, man, that's the cultural lie nonsense. You were designed to lead. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. And so in 1 Samuel 10, verse 6 and 7, it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. What? Okay. I see you, Jesus. Like, ladies, you want to be able to come and say, Oh, my gosh, look at this man. He is another man. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him. Why? Because that's what Luke 4, 16 says. That he's come to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to set the captives free. So when the Spirit of the Lord God is upon a man, God is confirming you were chosen to lead. You were chosen to lead. God did that. That's why I love you, because you were chosen to lead, man. You were chosen to lead by God, not by some resume, not by your bank account. God chose you. The spirit of the living God came upon you, and God says, you will lead. Can I give me an amen, somebody? You were chosen to lead. An empire, come on. You were chosen to lead. First yourself and then others. You were chosen to lead first yourself. You were chosen to lead in a kingdom. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. Can you imagine, ladies, a service like that where the Spirit of the Lord got rushed upon every male? You'd be like, I'm going to that church. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine that? Because, see, you're really supposed to find your man in church. That's really where you're supposed to find them. Being still because God meets me here. Where the Spirit of the Lord God comes upon them and they prophesy, right? And, and, so, and so they turn to another man. And he says, now when these signs meet you, do what your hands find to do. For God is with you. Wow. God is with you, man. God is with you. And I don't know what it takes to get us to a place where the men can be like David when he's bringing back the presence of the Lord God Almighty. And his wife looks out the window 
And instead of being an encourager, she tries to enable another death. Because David took off his royal robe. He wasn't naked. He took off the robe that recognized him as king. And he wanted the people to know that as I'm leading, I'm not the king anymore. He takes off his robe. And he says, I want you to only see the king. Because I'm leading men with strong shoulders. Ooh, shakaba. And what this church needs is men with strong shoulders carrying the prince of God into the house of God so that prophecy can take place. My God, will we come in alignment with that? This is such a good message. Not because I'm preaching, but because God is speaking. You were chosen to lead. You were chosen to lead. Ladies, from this day forward, say, God, I don't want to be an enabler anymore. I want to be an encourager of men who you have chosen to lead. When you get home, Still, put that book by the pillow if you need to. (laughs) Read this. But let your heart be saying, I'm going to flatter you. I'm going to build your faith. And say, I know that God is with you. And I know that God has called you to lead. So strengthen your shoulders. Come on. And let the spirit of God heal that broken heart and that crushed spirit that's keeping you away from the house of God. First Samuel 10, 9 and 10 says this. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, this was Saul. So he gets the message. You're going to prophesy and everything. And he turns his back and he's leaving Samuel. He's leaving the prophetic. He's leaving now. That's what the Bible says. If you get that up on the screen, please, if we can get that. Yeah, we turn his back. God gave him what? Another heart. He said, if you're going to lead people, you need to have another heart that's connected to my heart. God gives him another heart, and he goes, and it says, and all these signs came to pass. When they came to Gibad, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. I'm going to stop right here because I would love to share the importance of that is, is being ready when your number is called. And, but, but, but I can't get there because I think what we need to get to right now is, men. I don't know if you even believe you were chosen to lead. I think you know you're bleeding, but I don't know if you realize you need to be leading. Broken heart, crushed spirit. And society is reinforcing that by changing the definition of masculinity. And I'm here to tell you that God says reconnect back to your design. Because you were chosen men to lead. You're not hopeless. You're not Helpless, you are not a lost cause. What you need is power Hmm. that can only come from the Holy Spirit. So, this morning, my six minutes remaining before it hits 12 o'clock, I don't know if today will be the day. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be next week. I don't know if it'll be my lifetime. But my prayer is there come a day when you recognize, men, the call of God on your life to lead. And you will prophesy over those you love. And will declare God's favor. And come back in alignment and get reconnected again. So power can flow. One of the best illustrations that I was going to bring it up is, is this extension cord. And they have the single extension cord. And that's Jesus. He, he's... He's plugged into God, and you have this long extension cord that meets you 
wherever you go. So, men, you know, I'm not handy with my hands. So give me some grace when I'm explaining this stuff, right? So, um, yeah, this long extension cord. But what I believe God showed me was that a man is connected, but there's all these outlets that needs to plug into him. And perhaps right now, you've been successful, man, in having things plugged into you, but there's no power. It's not working. That's because you're disconnected from the power source. And what he's saying is this. You need to get connected to the power source so that the power of God, the spirit of God, can help you do that. Here's your homework, man. Here's your homework if you choose to do this. Number one, find the purpose for your life. Number one, the purpose for your life. Sisters, wives, if they don't know their purpose, I'm telling you right now, they can't lead with their potential. They can't do it. Love them all you want to. It's not going to happen. They got to know their purpose. They got to know their purpose. Men, are you hearing me? You have to know your purpose for your life. Number two, what is your passion? What are the things you are passionate about? What are the things that, that wake you up? And number three, the presence of God in your life. Those are the three things that are needed if you're going to lead, if you're going to embrace, if you're going to embrace this prophetic move. You need to understand, you need to recognize, God, what is my purpose? Number two, God, I got to know my passion. Number three, I have to know how to recognize and steward your presence in my life. That should be in your home. That should be in your workplace. That should be everywhere you go. Man, when you walk into a room, it should change. When you walk into any environment, it should change. Where you see chaos, you walk in and says, oh, hold on a second here. This does not have the presence of God on it. This is not a joke. I'm telling you, society is going down because, men, you are broken down. And God has said, that's not my design. That's not my words. Who have you been talking to? And God has said, I'm here to build you up. And you've got to be built up and recognize you are chosen to lead on the shoulders of strong men. On the shoulders of strong men. On the shoulders of strong men who would say, God, put the glory on me. Because when I see the blood, oh, I see your amazing grace. I saw what happened outside of your grace. The death that took place. So this time, God, when I see the blood. Because that's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. Men, you are chosen to lead. How will you respond? Men, you were chosen to lead. How are you going to respond? Come over here. Men, you were chosen to lead. How are you going to respond? Men, you were chosen to lead. How are you going to respond? Men, you were chosen to lead. How are you going to respond? The Bible says that when they brought Saul, he was shoulders above everybody else. How are you going to respond? He's chosen you to lead, man. How are you going to respond? He's chosen you to lead. So here it is. Holy Spirit says, help them, Rowan. I said, okay, I'll help them. Holy Spirit says, help them, Rowan. I'm going to help you now. Guess where Saul was when he was chosen to lead? 
he went and hide, hid behind the baggage. Saul was hiding behind the baggage. And the people says, where's the man that you said was supposed to lead us? You know who told him where he was? God says, God says, he's hiding. God says, oh, I'm going to call him out. You can't do that nowadays, but that's Bible days. Saul, you're trying to lead. And he's like this, oh, I can't, I can't lead. I'm hiding. I'm hiding. And the Bible said this. Watch this now. They ran to him. He says, come on. I need you to lead. Come on, I need you to lead. That's what the Bible said. He grabbed the man and says, come on, I need you to lead. He says, society needs you to lead. And I can't sit there. I need you to lead, Tim. I need you. I need you, Stanley. I need you, Michael. I need you, Steve. I need you to lead. I need you to lead. I need you to lead. I need you. I need you. I need you to lead. I need you to lead. See, there, there, there's a call of God on your life. There really is. There really is a call of God. There really is a call of God on your life. There really is, my brother. And I won't leave it, man. I'll do this thing with you. And this is not to bring you out to shame, but I really, I need you. I need you to lead. I do. I need that. I need you to lead. I need you. I, I need you. I need you. I, I, I need you to lead, man. Come on. I need you, Nick. I need you to lead. Man, I need you to lead. How will you respond? How will you respond to the call of God on your life? I know you don't have it together. I know you don't because I don't have it together as well. But I heard that the spirit of the living God will come upon me because he needs me to lead. He needs me. I must take responsibility. I don't know what's going to happen, but please, ladies, let the grace of God do its work on my life. Don't enable me by saying, sit there. Encourage me. It says, get on up here. And lead. And I promise you, I promise you, we'll be behind you. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. This is what a strong church looks like. This is what a strong family looks like. Men who are saying, ladies, I got nothing but what I have. I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, I've got nothing. I've got nothing but what I have I give unto you. God has chosen me to lead. So on the shoulders of men, he says, bring my presence into a city, into a community. You see, revival's breaking out, but God doesn't want us to copy anything. He's original. And while the students are getting a revival, God says, man, it's time for you to be restored. I need for you to be restored. Yeah. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Sing a song, Richie, and we'll have these men get up off of their knees in just a minute. Because that, that posture, that's the position. Ladies, come on, be an encourager now. Stretch your hands this way and encourage these men who by faith stepped out with a little help from the Holy Ghost. Thirst for you. You alone. Come on, give him your burdens. Give him everything. Satisfied.
Thank you, Jesus. Only you satisfy. Thank you, Jesus. Only you satisfy. Mm. My soul. Only you satisfy. Come on, Lord. Bless the husbands Only that are here. Bless the sons that are here. Bless the fathers that are here. In the name of Jesus. Man, God is seeing this. And God is saying, I'm going to put the presence of God on your shoulders. I'm going to put it on your shoulders. I trust you. I trust you. I'm going to put it on your shoulders. Because by God's grace, his amazing grace, I need you to lead. I don't know what the future looks like. But I do know what I see right now is this. Is that man, he's called you to lead. Lead this church. Lead this community. Lead this city. Oh, my God. Lead, man. Lead. Ah, glory to God. This is your hour. This is your finest hour. Lead with the power of God on the inside of you. And let nobody tell you that you're not worthy. Let nobody tell you that you're not a man of God. Silence the lies of the enemy. And when you get up off of your knees, you will be another man. Because God has given you another heart. I prophesied that right before they get up. Come on. Come on, congregation. I prophesied every one of you. You are another man with another heart in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You may stand up if your knees are hurting. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. Encourage them. Encourage them. Encourage them. Encourage them. Father, we thank you. We honor you and we praise you. And we bless you in Jesus' name. You are another man with another heart in Jesus' name with some help from the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. We exalt you. You are worthy to be praised. Thank you. As you chose the disciples, you have chosen these men to lead for such a time as this, that this is their finest hour in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, if you're watching this online and someone shared this with you, God loves you. And I'm encouraging you, men, take your place. Take your place and lead your life and lead your family in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you in the joy of the Lord. Amen. 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 All of you satisfied. Thank you.